Hi, welcome back. It's been a minute since I've done the Live, Lift, Love podcast. I feel like it's been two, three plus years, but I'm excited as always to revamp old projects and, you know, see what new value they, they offer. Today, I'm talking to Justin, who is a mutual follower on TikTok. I think we've been following each other for uh, maybe maybe a year by now. I feel like you were probably one of my early followers. And just, you know, someone who I appreciate always offering insight on comments, someone who I know always offers a bit more balanced perspective. And we, I did a video talking about, are you a black, uh, black Karen? And you drop some comments and, you know, I always, I always want to kind of expand on dialogue because the comment section is really a limited space to really have dialogue and hash ideas over so uh, w- welcome, Justin. Hey, I appreciate that a lot, man. Thanks for thanks for having me. No doubt, man. Um, so to start, you know, I'd l- really love to know about you. You know, anything you're willing to share. Um, you know, your TikTok journey, which is what you've been utilizing TikTok for a bit about. You know, your background. Whatever you feel comfortable sharing to start. Sure. Yeah. So I'm 27 years old, black, um, married. Uh, recently coming up on two years here. Um, originally from nice. Atlanta, Georgia came out to Texas for school um, and been here for the past 10 years. So um, been enjoying it. I'm over here in Houston. Um, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. TikTok, I mean, I like it uh, mainly for the jokes. Like I'm not not really trying to uh, <laughs> inform and all that. However, uh, it's hard to overlook some things, you know, with any social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, whatever there. There is a, a social responsibility aspect of it. And I, I appreciate what you do with your platform, God's conditioning and everything, because um, your responsibility, you know, ignorance can only go so far. And then you, to the point where you start perpetuating it, I think I think all of us have a little responsibility to to give back in some way. So I see some some, you know, educated brothers like yourself or just some content that's worth expounding on, which is hard to do, you know, on, on like you said, this 140 characters. That's hard to get a point across. But, um, yeah, I, I try I try and drop in and put some education, but now mostly, mostly here for the last man. <laughs> I feel it's, it's dope to hear that you're 27 and, uh, and married. I feel like marriage has kind of become taboo, um, for younger generations. Mm-hmm. I'm 30, 37. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what's the marriage experience been like for you? Um, being married for me, it's young. I, I mean, I feel like an old <laughs> person, but what's the experience been like at be, being married around 25? Um, you know, it's a lot less stressful than I, I think you would think. I think uh, being in the game, you know, I got I got you know brothers who are still you know in the game, still chasing, and and it looks it looks like hell, man. I'm not gonna lie to you from the outside, you know, it looks it looks like hell. So I think in some ways, you know, there's there's security, in some ways, it's a relief, but it is it is work. And um, my my year one revelation was truly, uh, and and I guess advice too for any of the guys out there is like, although marriage is a goal, I'm not gonna say it's not like a life goal, you know, for some people or a lot of people. Um, But it's just so much more than that, you know, going into it, I guess I didn't know or understand that, you know, a lot of, a lot of things you go through in life, you, you check them off like a checklist, right? I graduate college, check, you know, buy a house, check, get a job, all, all those things, get married, check, but it's not uh, a woman and a wife is so much more than that or, or vice versa, husband, whatever. So it's not, it's not so much a trophy on the shelf that, you know, Hey, I got married. Great. Did that awesome, you know, put on the shelf. It's very much a living organism is very much like a plant. You know, you got to nurture, you got to water, you have to constantly, um, put into this thing. It's not, it's not a, um, 
it's not just a goal to check off. It's, it's a it's a location. It's a place of being. Um, so yeah, that's 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 marriage so far. Prior to being married, and compared to now, what's been your biggest biggest challenge? I think the the mindset of it all and wrapping your head around what's really going on and who you are as a married individual, because you know. For 25 years, I've spent it just being me. And, you know, it's one thing to consider somebody and all that, but, but to truly not be an individual anymore and all the things that you may have wanted as an individual may or may not come with you as, uh, you know, a married person. In my, in my instance, you know, a husband, my goals, you know, my ambitions, all that. I'm not saying that you have to bend over for the person, but hopefully you're finding somebody whose goals are aligned and it's just no longer about you and it's, it's so much bigger than you. And I think, that I still struggle with, you know, realizing what, you know, what that husband Justin is, you know, not just the individual and who, who I'm no longer anymore, who I don't hang with anymore, what things I don't do anymore. Those things are, there, there's growing pains with that. Um, and also allowing your partner with space to, to grow and mature as well. So. Yeah, that, that's a, I love, I love that perspective. Um, being able to kind of balance your individuality compromising, learning to sacrifice. I mean, I, f- I feel like this, uh, whatever <clears throat> social relationship climate we're in is very ego driven. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like a lot of the narrative on social media is don't change for anyone. Don't do anything for someone you don't want to do. Like, it feels like there's very, uh, there's, there's a little room for, for compromise nowadays. Um, and it, it could, just, you know, I would say it could just be my skewed per- perception. It could just be the algorithm feeding me bullshit. But but it's it's good to hear that, you know, within two years, like early on, like y- you're getting it right. Like it's not just about you. It's about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like whatever yeah. you define y'all as. And like that's that's what it needs to be now and forever. That's a good word. So w- what are you in school for? What are you studying in school? So I went to school for two things. Uh, first, undergrad was urban planning, city planning, if you will, um, you know, studying how cities grow, how people grow and how they operate in um, urban environments um, and how to plan for growth, plan for the future from an infrastructure standpoint, resource planning standpoint, architecture, all, all those things. Um, and then I did my master's in real estate development. So I got into more of the financing and the construction and project management stamp, you know, point of view of um, actually putting developments down. So in Houston, where I work, I work for a home builder. And Houston's a little bit unique compared to other places because um, a lot of these developments, big subdivisions, you know, thousand acres at a time or whatever, a couple thousand homes at a time type neighborhoods, um, they're building their own infrastructure. So they're not really relying on a city to come in, build infrastructure and, and plan growth. They're kind of developers are coming in with their own financing and, and building their own cities that later get annexed by the city of Houston. So it's a really different kind of way of living. Um, if you know anything about Houston, it's very sprawled out, very low density, um, not a great urban environment, very car driven, car dependent and all that. So um, hopefully what my goal is, you know, I'm learning how to learning how to develop, but eventually want to develop better. I think there's better cities, better places for people and hopefully want to use my influence to create a better world for our children. So. All right. So you brought up um, that it's very car dependent. Is that something that you're considering within future developments for yourself, like finding a way to make these small pocketed, pocketed cities just uh, more eco-friendly eco with it through cycling or, you know, skateboard segues? Yeah, that's, that's, that's my goal, at least. You know, I, don't, I haven't met a whole lot of people who have that mindset, 
or if they do, maybe it's on a smaller scale. So I'm hoping to really kind of break ground with that and make it mainstream. It, it, it hurts here in Texas because it, it's seen as a political talking point. It's seen as, you know, BS is like it's like COVID, right? It, people think it's not real. You know, global warming and all these things, they think just, you know, from a resource standpoint, not understanding that, hey, you're speaking from the perspective of being the top 5%, you know, of income. That's, that's really who we're building homes for. We're building homes for, you know, rich people who can afford it. You're not thinking that, you know, it's nothing to you to just hop in your F-150, pay the toll road, get to work. You know, all those things are just are just um, flexes of your of your privilege. So I'm hoping right. to kind of kind of break the mold and kind of make things more equitable to everybody, to the masses of people. So um, that's really my my goal. Um, I was brainwashed. They had us watch those little cartoons like uh, Captain Planet and stuff growing up. So <laughs> I've been, ever since, man, I've been trying to make the world a better place. So. I like that. Um, is is Houston like where you plan to settle and like really see your dreams come to fruition? Do you plan to go back to Atlanta and offer some of your insight there also down the line? Yeah, Houston, uh, absolutely not, man. I'm 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 over here trapped, man. You know, I I married, <laughs> I married a woman from Houston. You know, her family's here, so uh, the, the truth came my... out, right? It took four minutes, but some some truth came. Out. <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm plotting my escape, man. So, uh, but no, I mean, uh, he's. I, I'll I'll say this, you know, though, especially the way I kind of mentioned that we develop, you know, it's like all these neighborhoods. You build a brand new neighborhood, you're gonna br- build a brand new school, br- you know, brand new parks and all that. So, from a from a sense of raising a family, it is not a bad place. Um, the economy is really good here, is, you know, energy kind of core of the United States. So there's jobs, there's opportunities, there's growth. Um, so, so I'm not going to complain, you know, they're paying me, you know, so I'm not, I'm not about to really like say, Hey, I got to go move to Alaska just cause it's a better way of life. You know, it may right. be, but, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay where they pay me for, for the, for the now, you know, for the now being when I, when I'm able to leave here and do my own thing and be my own boss and make my own money and not have to worry about, you know, if my family was going to eat, then yeah, I'm, I'm open. I think the world is huge, man. I think, uh, and not even just the United States, like I'm, I'm the type where I could live. I think I could live anywhere, you know, whether that's Africa, we've been, we've been to Iceland. Iceland's like an awesome place, nice people, Canada, whatever, you know, back to Atlanta and the country somewhere. I, you know, I'm open. I'm very open. So. It's good, man. It's uh, it's. I mean, not now more than ever, right? We you have we have access to the globe, so why not explore? You know, live in different places for a little bit and get a little glimpse of global culture and you know see what see what works and what doesn't. Exactly, that should be the standard. So, uh, talking about, <laughs> I mean, it, like I feel like uh, this is gonna. I hope this is interesting. I know, nah, it it is. It's gonna be an interesting conversation. Um. It's very for me. It's it's, it's very layered. Um, now, I've, I've are you uh, African American? I am. Okay, so my my family's uh, Haitian. I'm Haitian. Um, I'm Haitian first generation Haitian American, and I've gone through the the gambit of like the the live the black experience. You know, I talk about the black experience a lot on my on my TikTok. Um, because it, for me, it's more it it leaves it leaves opportunity to make it more encompass. I, I like the idea of an experience. Um, and that's kind of one of the things we, we discussed, whether experiences are individual, whether they're cultural based. And these past, I guess, three years have been like me really finding more of myself within the black experience, finding out, finding my uh, my purpose, my my drive, my identity and, you know, t- taking making that part of taking ownership. I think, yeah, that's I think, yeah, taking ownership in my existence within the black experience 
and hoping that the work that I do in all facets elevate the experience for current generations, future generations, et cetera. Also, I wanted to start off with uh, defining culture and how do you define culture and what, 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 do you, what do you believe encompasses culture? And it could be exclusively to blackness or just, it could just be culture in general. I think just in general, um, it's, it's customs, it's habits, um, that define a, you know, a certain type of people. Right. So, um, we were talking about, you know, racially, it it can get, it can get deep. So, um, recently I was, I was viewing a post and it was talking about, um, trauma bonding. Right. And so you could think like, you know, permissions and uses of the N word, for example, you could say, Hey, that may be trauma bonding or some other type of thing. If you're, if you're an alcoholic, right. Alcoholic to alcoholic, you may, you may use that word and say, Oh yeah, you know, such as the life of an alcoholic, but that's, that may be a, a trauma bonding thing for you guys. But, but if you're not, you know, to point the finger and call somebody an alcoholic may not be, you know, kosher to do. Right. So I think, um, as a certain people, not, not to throw a wrench in this, but, um, one thing that kind of bugged me before, not, not that this is a problem, but one thing I thought was weird, the way we do statistics in this country, especially now that, you know, primaries are coming up and midterms elections are coming up and whatnot. Um, and we look at statistics of, of black people, for example, and say, hey, you know, black people do X and say myself, say if I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, you got another brother who's in Seattle, Washington, we may have nothing alike. And there may be more white people in the South that I may have some things in common with that this person doesn't. But uh, ethnically, genetically, us having, you know, a couple of things in common, skin color, hair texture, you group us in a certain way, even though we may not have the same culture even though we may both be black. So, so to me, culture is specifically habits and lifestyle. Um, and, and black people can have a certain habit and lifestyle based on some things, whether that's trauma bonding or things in the past. But, but in summation, not to be long-winded, I'm, I'm defining culture as habits and lifestyle of a particular people. What are, some, what are some distinctive things that are part of black culture to you, if anything? I think, I think food. I think... Um, I think certain things like, like based in history, you know, like song and dance, for example, um, where you think of things of African roots, or um, if you look at, you know, black church, a lot of things, I think customs throughout all of black church, whether that's in Oklahoma, whether that's up in New York, whatever, I think there's a lot of similarities based on a historical context as well. Um, yeah, I think those are some of the main ones for sure. I, I, I like I think part of uh like my I guess not my challenge but I'm trying to like identify something like that's that's very very specific you know when I think of Native American like generally thinking about Native American culture I think of like uh head garbs and like you know you mentioned dance and I'm I'm envisioning the uh you know the stereotypical scenes they show us in movies mm-hmm. um what 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 specifically do you envision when thinking about black culture? Like you, you said, food. Like you know, we, you know, we, you offered some generalizations, like you know, food and dance. Are there? Do you like have specifics that you envision when you think about black culture? I, I, I think of like the way we the way we do our hair, for example, the way whether men men or women, the way that it that necessarily you need to take care of your hair to to grow it long to keep it um, 
keep it neat, whatever, or, or keep it not neat, you know, whatever. You're going to sleep on it, whatever you want to do. Um, I'm thinking about Afros. I'm thinking about picks, do-rags. Um, think about braids. I'm thinking about um, – so that that would be one thing, I think, you know, the way you carry yourself, hair texture and whatnot. Um, and then food, I'm thinking, you know, I want to call it a, a struggle meal, but soul food type of things, you know, things that really – stick to your bones, feel good in your soul, simple type meals based on just the, the general race, race gap that this country was built on. Um, it came from necessity, but it was things that we all did. So it was a, it was a, a habit and a lifestyle in a society that we kind of all based our food upon. And so that's what I'm thinking of. You know, I'm thinking fried fish. I'm thinking grits. I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking stews. I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking hush puppies, you know, which is just cornbread deep fried. You know what I'm saying? I'm right, thinking right. of, Thinking of candied yams, and uh, my grandma used to get like a like literally a can of salmon. You think about meat in a can, like that's wild. But bust open a can of salmon, make some some croquettes. You know, it's like I'm thinking of stuff like that. Um, that I think you know come from a, there. There's a definitely identifying space, whether that's you know um, generational poverty, whether that's education levels, whatever it was. I think there's you know, I'm unfortunately. I do think of a little bit of struggle when you think about African-American, you think about context of being here. I think there is a level of struggle when you think about black culture from the sense of African-American. And that's what I do. When I think of black culture, I'm thinking African-American specifically, not necessarily globally black, but specifically African-American. I do think there is a level of struggle and then culture, customs, beliefs based off, based from that forward. So I, I don't consider us in, a, in the same level of struggle like, you know, 1800s. 1900s but um but yeah that's that's that'd be my definition how how do you differentiate between black culture and african-american culture i mean i feel feel like a lot of the the foods you describe the experience some of the experience you're describing they feel exclusive to the african-american experience um do do you differentiate or do you do you view the 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 African-American experience as the foundation for the black experience? I honestly view it one and the same. The, the, and I hate, I hate to, to put like a dividing line between, you know, brothers and sisters across the pond or whatever. Um, but I just, from my experience being here raised in America, I look at black and African-American as synonymous and, um, and then there is a, there is a global, you know, black global people who look like us, you know, but I, don't, I wouldn't say culturally it's the same because I don't think those same practices are rooted in the same thing. And I, I'm not saying it as a knock, like, you know, they're not black enough or we're not black enough or whatever. I just right. think what what people in this country went through or, or not even just this country, but in America specifically, I think it created a different culture versus one where, you know, a country began, let's say Kenya, a country began and it was all black people. And, you know, it's this whole different historical context and, and different customs and beliefs, you know, versus a group of people from all types of different places who, you know, had to create their own. So so at the crux of, of black culture, I was, I'd have to say, you know, creativity is like the main pillar, you know, because <laughs> it really is truly from nothing, you know. Right. Do you believe in a cultural appropriation? Uh, and believe in it in terms of think it's a real thing. Yes, I, I do think it's real. Um, I think cultural preparation and I think assimilation are, are both um, real. And I think they're both, you know, attempts to um, conform um, in terms of, you know, how I feel about it. Um, 
you know what I really think about? I think about Rachel Dolezal. I think about <laughs> back when she was um, like leading the NAACP or whatever. Like you, you would say, okay, hey, you're culturally appropriate. You're president of the NAACP and, and you're a white woman, right? So right. Um, the, I just, I didn't like how we, we, I say like the society at large, the media, whatever, black Twitter, if you will. I don't like how we treated it because you know what's so weird about it? What's so weird about it is that like, you know, every, everybody boils down to being black in origin at some point, right? And some level of it, the original man's black, right? So we right. say that. So, and it's like, man, you know how much you got to like black people or want to be black to, to be the leader of the NAACP and try your best to like pass as black? To me, that's not somebody that you throw away. I think, right, I think, right. I think in our history, we've, it's been so hard for people to even, and I'm not saying we got to do everything for somebody to like us, but I also think that black people have gone through so much that, you know, from one drop rule and all that type of stuff, like white is seen as such an exclusivity type thing that you almost got to be crazy to want to be black. And here comes this lady who actually wants to be black. I think, I think we could have handled it differently. And I think all people, you know, in that realm, I'm not saying everybody needs to have access to our inner workings and our inner being. But I, I do think that, um, the the purity mindset of blackness I I don't I don't see that I don't I don't think we should take that stance either I think everybody you know like like Jamaica out of one people you know everybody's out of one people right like it's all it's all love and it's all it's all black when you really think about it so yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that that like that's the foundation of like that's the African American black experience I think is it I mean not think it's 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 very unique um, and I've been be- slowly believing that it it should be the staple and representation of what the black experience uh represents the the adversity the you know the the willpower to drive the um the the ability to exist despite it all um i feel like it should be you know just like the 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 the, the united states as a collective is supposed to be the global standard for community and unity and all of that. Like, I, th- I think the, the African American experience in, in the United States should be representative of what the global black experience, the, the potential for the global black experience. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, I was I was fascinated by Rachel Do- Dolezal's story, and it's funny that you bring her bring her up because you know she made news. I think within the past um, past week. Because she had only OnlyFans and they got leaked online. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> um, but I, I was fascinated with her story, and I read I read the articles. You know, this is like when think pieces are first coming out. Like I read, I read the root article. I read the I, I read this article with this uh this black journalist who went to go interview her, and no one out of all the articles I've read, no one asked her why. No one asked her like why, like what, like no one asked her what does blackness mean to you. No one asked her, you know, why um, lie or, or about your race. It was it's very much about just the judgment aspect, which which isn't I feel historically part of the black experience, right? There, there's a level of of judgment, but there's also an ongoing level of acceptance and just saying, okay, like it's like you said, it's all love at the end of the day, right? Like there's there's a you know. F- Imitation is flattery, right? There's a there's a reason behind uh, whatever her motives were that you know we, we'll, we'll never really find out at this point. But it, I think, there's a level of being appreciative, being humbled, right? 
working for the you know leading an NAACP NAACP chapter and the work involved in that right you're, you're elevating right. the black experience but also other groups like that that should be the news that should be the focus exactly but social response has shifted into yeah I, I use the word victim mindset a lot and I'm kind of transitioning out of that into just saying limiting perspectives right like seeing seeing mm-hmm. what the, the the negativity in the situation is but but not questioning the the long-term potential benefits of it all like you know I asked you earlier about cultural appropriation and is there is there distinctiveness for you when it comes to other people of other you know the diaspora appropriating do, do, do like is there a way about about that is a pro, like what's 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 your limit for appropriation? Who's allowed to appropriate? Because I I feel like as a, a Haitian American first generation, I feel like I appropriate the black experience uh, because like what what else is there to choose from? You know, I <laughs> I, I could I, I could choose the Haitian Haitian experience, but that's not my reality. That's not my real lived experience. You know, you brought up assimilation also. I, I've I've seen what assimilation looked like. I don't want no parts of that. Yeah, got so, you. <laughs> yeah, so by default, you know, I, I go towards the uh, the black experience. Do, do do you view do you view other you know first generation Americans as a, as appropriators to an extent? You know, that's that's a really tough question. I don't, I don't know if I have a straight answer for you. I, I think to me, you know, the minute you step foot here, I think you do take on the same levels of um, culture. And I say that just because, unfortunately, a lot of what I think of culture is um, sometimes in response to how we're treated here, how we're viewed here. And, and, you know, nobody, you know, in, in the, in the very worst context of, you know, racial aggression or anything like that, nobody's going to look at you and say, Hey, okay, you're just Haitian American. I want to, I want to talk to, you know, the Negroes who've been here, like, you know, nobody's gonna, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm really, I'm trying my best not to curse on here, but like, no, no, you, you can't, it's, it's so, it's so good. Um, okay, if, like, but, yeah, yeah. Like I don't, but you know what I'm saying? Like n- nobody's going to really like do that. So I feel like, I feel like once you're here, then it's like, you're really into the fold of being able to do that because you're, you're walking in that experience of, of what America is to us, you know, to us and for us and all that. So, so I, I found that permissible. I do, um, we we were asking this question, something I've always struggled with was like the N word, for example, where we have this vast debates on who can say, who can't, yada yada. And one group that I've never seen people have issue with was Africans. And so I always wonder, like, hey, is that is that was that permissible? I know they're black, but like these do they sell us? Like is it you know what I'm saying? Is this are they they weren't getting whipped, right? Like this their ancestors weren't you know, they was kings or whatever it was. And it's like, man, is that, you know, should I slap some African man if he called me in word? Like, you know, I, like stuff like that I, I think about. And I'm like, you know, so right. I, I don't know. I don't know if it has an end. And that's the unfortunate part is I, I don't know if it has an end. So part of me is like, man, because I also feel like this, you know, for, for the, for the, you know, Anglos who want to wear dreads, for example, it's like, man, I don't have no problem with it. Cause you just, you just, to me, like, I, I, I love it when people just show me who they are up front. I don't like guessing about stuff. So it's like, if you want to, if you want to wear a matted up, you know, braids, matted up dreads that you ain't washing. That's all dirty. Like, just just let me know up front you dirty, and I'll keep my distance. Like, cause it don't look good. So, no, no, like, nobody can you know do us better than us. So that's my whole right, thing. Right, 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 right. You're not you're not about to like <laughs> you're not about to take my girl because you got some you know you white man with dreads. Like, come on, dude. Like, 
chill out, you know? So I, I don't, I personally don't care about little stuff like that. Like I think anybody can appropriate because vice versa. I mean, if I send my woman into an Asian nail shop and get, you know, Asian nails or, or she, you know, she doesn't wear weave, but say she did, you know, whatever like that. And she's wearing some Indian lady's hair in her head. Like I can't, I, I feel like that's, that's a little two-faced to come out of one side of my mouth to say, you know, y'all can't wear braids, but on the other side say, you know, it's my hair. I bought it. I can wear this, you know? So, so I, I, I really try not to get into it, into it too much because at the end of the day, it's your body. You're going to do what you want to do. And most likely you're going to look crazy doing it. So I could really care less how you look, you know, but, um, but overall, in terms of the uh, appropriation, I, I do think I think we're gonna get into it a little bit deeper in here. Like, I do think some of our culture is is worth being protected, um, and I think we we ought to fight hard to protect it. Um, but some things like the outward things, the clothes, the words, and all that, I think we can probably waste a lot of our breath trying to police other people, and I don't think that's the way we should go about it. I think um, to your point, clearly people want to be us. I think I think there's different moves that we can employed to um to capture the best outcome for us where do you stand with with the n-word um you know i did a video i, I feel like this we, we probably had some dialogue back back and forth on, on that video it was probably earlier this year um just always going back and forth in it you know going and i, I feel like it's a it's like a coming of age experience for black men. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like you want to grow out of, you want to grow out of the, out of saying a nigga. I mean, I, yeah, it's just the same thing. I'm saying nigga. Uh, and I feel like part of it is because of the, the social influence, right. Of what, what the, the, the awareness of the history of the word, and then the realization of it being reused, recycles, and uh, up—I can't think—I can't think of the word. Um, I guess upcycled, right? To be a, a term of acknowledgement and endearment, and uh, kind of like you know, I'm thinking about uh, Kanye and the Confederate flag, and you know, taking the negativity thrown at the black experience, and you know, using it as like, I okay, like we'll make the most of it like we do with everything right like like soul food right you know you find a way to add value to it and you know i i've i have found myself in the past being like i'm gonna i'm not gonna use i'm not gonna say nigga anymore like i'm 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 a gentleman I'm, i'm a refined man you know refined men don't use words like that but these past this past uh you know past two years you know i talked about finding myself within a black experience finally i think coming to terms and saying you know what i'm i'm gonna say it when i want to when i talk about my you know my 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 good friend like that's that's my nigga right that's my nigga because like that's the language that i used growing up that's how that's how i acknowledged uh brotherhood and friendship and family like it, it was part of the experience you know the the music does what it does earlier we you know you brought up assimilation and my my most recent realization is that you know a lot of I, f- I feel it feels that once certain black people get money or once you reach a certain height certain level within the American experience, uh, which is you know the the white experience white assimilation, no one says nigga anymore, right? Like it's you know black 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 people are, it feels like black people are scared to say nigga in front of white people, they get okay. upset that. Yeah, they they get upset that white people use it, 
And in my mind, I'm like, well, you're not using it, right? Like that that's part of like if it part of what I'm realizing also is part of like the the white appropriation and assimilation and the culture jocking and all of that it's just picking up on what uh, you're not you're not using it so i'm gonna utilize it i'm gonna say it someone should say it right and i, I feel like i feel like this should black I, I feel like black people should accept saying it um especially if, if it was part of the 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 childhood especially if it's part of your childhood part of especially if it's part of your experience acknowledge that yo this is a word that we use if right, if it's a word that we use out of love and endearment for each other, like then it, it should be that it sh- it shouldn't be the the code switch, right? You know the the push these past few years has been about authenticity, but it's authenticity still under the guise and the and the the standard of of, of whiteness. Um, and all of that just to say, uh, you know, like like how how do, how do you like what, what's your perspective on on saying nigga? Is, I mean, is it something you grew up with? Um, you know, I, I can make the assumption, um, but where do you stand on it now? If, you know, if you have kids, if you want kids or plan to have kids, is it something that you plan to introduce to them? Yeah, I, I think a lot of things, man. Um, so, yeah, growing up, I, I did use that word. I still do. I'm going to act like I, you know, I'm past it or I've gone a year without saying it. Unfortunately, and it is regrettably that I use it. Um, I think I was using it before I really knew what it was, right? Like rap music probably hit me first before, you know, roots or before any type of education about, you know, what this is and the history of it. It was, you know, um, it was T.I., it was Young Jeezy, it was whatever, you know what I'm saying? It was just like a very cool thing. And 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 it, that, you know, that defined it as more of a urban type of deal. Um, up front than it was anything else. So among friends, among people of culture, that was like just our thing, you know, in a certain context, it does hit harder. You know what I'm saying? Like if you change the song and, and put brother in there, it, 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 I'm not going to lie. It does make the song a little weaker, you know? So I, I think words do have power. Um, and unfortunately, you know, that's a, that's a negative word. Um, and uh, I do think it's negative. I, I don't, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's positive. And I don't want, I personally don't want my kids using it. I'm going to try my best to keep them away from using that. Because I think at the end of the day, it's just, it's a habit. And I've made a habit of using it. And I've been in culture and social situations where it's habitually used. But I don't, I won't say that there's anything beneficial that came out of it, that my life is any better with that level of vocabulary. And that may sound super duper square, but just where I am in life, reflecting over it all, like it, um, when I really think about its benefit to society, I, I don't see any. I really don't. And and um, it is a personal thing. Like it, it is kind of a, a us thing. Even like I was telling you earlier, like I'm I'm thinking even so much us. Like you know, I hold it real close to my chest. Like even just us here in America type thing. Not only just you know, not the guy, not the guy in Toronto, not the guy you know in in Belize, but like no, like us, like specifically us type of word. You know, people who have. Um, who've been through that struggle or folks who've been through that struggle, folks who've been caught that word and kind of reclaim it. But to me, it's, it's akin to like, it's akin to like, like underwear, you know, like my family can see me in my underwear, but like, I'm not, I'm not trying to let you put my underwear on a clothesline in front of your house. You know, like (laughs) that's, that's where, that's where I get where it comes to like other people, other cultures using it. It's just like, man, like, you know, that's not, you know, it's a family thing, you know what I'm saying? It's, It's our stuff and it's, it's personal. So I do get offended when like, you throwing it around and you acting like 
it's just it's just yours when it's not. You know what I'm saying? Like that's something that that my dad gave to me. It's like you know something like that was that was passed down as a personal thing. You know, so um, that's where I feel. And the other thing, you know, that I've heard that I'll repeat is like, um, you know, Jewish people. If I can say that word on here. Um, they don't. They don't use. They don't use. I, I'm. A, I, I. I'm not scared. I ain't got nothing anyway. So I <laughs> but. But look. But, but let's be real. They don't. They don't use. You don't. You don't even know. You hardly know a, a, a Jewish racial slur. They don't use it. They don't right. throw it around. They don't have. They don't feel the need. Like, oh, I gotta. I gotta endear my brother with this. With this, you know, slur. You know, because at the end of the day, it, that's what it is. That's, that's you know. You look up definitions. Words have power, and that's that. The word is not a positive word. You know, and so um. And so while, while we're so gung-ho about throwing it, I, I got theories about, you know, the record industry and why they would want to promote that type of thing that I believe. But in general, um, I, don't think it, I don't think it's helping us. And I think the, although I have reasons why I think we, sh- we are able to say that and other people aren't, I still think it's, it's weird. I think it's weird to try to police people. I think it's weirder to not want white people to say it, but want black people to say it. A word that is, you know, at its core, racist. Like I, I should be more shocked that black people use it than white people. You know what I'm saying? I, I bet you know if you talk to Harriet Tubman and she saw culture today, she'd probably say, "What?" Like I would have get it. If white boys were using it, but y'all, you know what I'm saying? Like y'all cousin, y'all dapping each other up and like hugging each other, my in, my in. Like that's wild. I, 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 I could see that as being wild, you know, to to our forefathers and mothers. So that's that's my stance. I wish I didn't. I'm not about to, you know. Not about to stop anybody who does, because I get it. A lot of it's habit. Um, it's habit for me too. So don't you know? You see me on my next post, and I'm over here. You know, my <laughs> end, my end. Don't you know? Don't judge me. But um, but I, I but I wish if if I had it my way, I wouldn't use it, and and nobody would. You know, it'd be kind of it wouldn't exist. You know. I really liked the uh, earlier you said. You know, if 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 it was replaced with brother, like what the what 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 positive cultural shift. Uh, could could come out of it, because mm-hmm. um, I mean, the, you know, part of part of my challenge, and you know, at times, you know, I, I, like earlier, I asked you about, um, you know, other black groups, you know, the diaspora and appropriation, and you know, what the limits are. It feels easy for me to want to, you know, to reach this point where I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm okay with saying it when, you know, I inherently don't have the same. Uh, cultural, social. Uh, what, what, what did you say earlier? Um, the trauma, trauma bonding. Trauma bonding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I don't innately have that. So I, you know, at times, you know, I, 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 I question my decisions. Right? Like, is it, is it okay for me to be a first generation uh, Haitian American who I have, I have zero true ties to, to the word. But I use it, and now I reach a point where I say, "Yeah, I'm gonna say it." Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, and something I've been thinking about, and I think like part of the the ever present like challenge and limitations is you know not having dialogue with people who like live through it. You know, like one of, one of my goals within the next few years is to you know have like a find someone who 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 lived through it. Who lived like lived through the through the South? Who lived through the shits to gain like real perspective on their experience with the language that was used at the time, the um, the you know their lived experience of racism and all of that, just to give me a better scope of 
how you know how the you know the, the language I want to use um, toward the, toward the future. I admire you for doing that. That's that's really powerful. Thank you. It's advanced. It's it's a goal. I mean, even having this that dialogue, right? Like you know, like I say, I can. I can, it's easy just to you know have these ideas and flush these ideas out on my own. But you know, even us just talking about it right now, it's it's sparking. Like yeah, you know, there's. There is there is a negative value to it. Like, you know, you brought up like I said, you brought up the idea of replacing nigga with brother and like what what additional potential would that have? Right. I, when I have kids, I don't want them to say it because it's not their lived experience. Um, um, you know, we you know, we plan to talk about policing, but just thinking about like policing the music they listen to and trying to like push back against the the ever present like the social influence and negativity and everything that kind of comes with that um like I, I yeah like i would never I, like when i imagine using it, it I'm, I'm using it with like my friends from the 1990s and 2000s um like not finding new people to use it with right but like mm-hmm. if, if we if we had that energy in the past using it then yeah i think that that's kind of more more, more my perspective right like if we had that energy in the past it's it's not it's not the foundation of how we communicate with each other but if i'm like yo nigga right it just it's comes not, out I, because, I buy that i, I can yeah. totally buy that because i got even though um you know i don't live in the hood or anything anymore i still keep up with some friends you know some good people where it's like you know yeah we used to we used to roll together like yeah you know you can kind of you can kind of drop some code switch and kind of speak in a different way because in, in that in that sense it's this whole other language you know what i'm saying so it's like it's like speaking a native tongue so like yeah if i go back to the homeland i can probably speak some native tongue with some people and they understand you know what i'm saying or if they speak it to me I, even if i'm not speaking it back i still understand i'm not taking offense to it they're like you know why aren't you speaking the king's english it's like you know i'm i'm degreed man now like i'm i'm past that it's not so much of you know switching like that and assimilating totally where you're not like and that's a, that's the tricky thing about culture, right? Because I think culture is a very present thing. Like my 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 um, poverty culture that I may have grown up with may have been totally different than where I'm going to end up and die. I don't I don't plan to still be the same, you know, to have the same habits of the low income person that I was to begin my youth. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't I don't plan to still be that person. So yeah, I am going to be different. Some things are going to change about me. However. Um, quote unquote, keeping it real, you know, and all that type of stuff. Like I still plan to, to um, be able to understand and relate to people who, you know, to your point, who may still use that word, you know, either, whether I use it or not, like I, I don't, I don't plan to, you know, take offense by it, but I, I love, I love the point you're going and where you're going with it. Um, you know, no, no new friends in that regard in terms of, you know, using it. It's not, it's not something I presently keep with me, but um but if but if they still you know using that, I get it. You know what I'm saying. I'm not gonna, I'm not about to shut them off just because of that. You know. Right, right. What do you feel is a healthy balance um, with with language? Uh, you know, I have a I have a post where I just talked about you know never never realizing there was an issue with how I speak until I found myself in non-black spaces. You know, I'm I've, I'm trying to push for more acceptance of ebonics you know it's 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 part of the black experience it's part of our language you know going back to code switching and authenticity like where's the balance that you 
what do you feel is the balance between being authentically black in terms of the language, the gestures, the body movements, the you know that that raw existence that you share with like like uh, like minded or similar lived experience people versus you know existing in you know the, these white spaces like like is it is assimilation all there is really like it, it, like you just have to play ball do, do, do you feel that man that's tough because um there there is times where i i feel my two-ness there's times where i you know feel like a chameleon because to your point you go in certain spaces and you adapt to your environment and so i can't say that that's being fake there are some people you will meet some personalities you know let's take samuel jackson for example He's the type of person who probably he can walk in a room and be, you know, or Denzel Washington, anybody like that, unapologetically, all of him that you see on TV, the same exact person, whatever. And he can still survive and even thrive in some scenarios like that. I can't say that we all have that same um, opportunity. I definitely can't say that I have that same opportunity. There's a lot of places where if you want to survive in a certain environment, you have to blend in or you may get X'd out. You may get got, whatever it is. So like that chameleon on that branch, he has to blend into whatever that environment is at that time. So something doesn't come pick him out the sky. You know what I'm saying? So that's I, I don't think that I don't think that because the chameleon is red or because the chameleon is blue, is any less a chameleon or is any less is any less, you know, himself or herself, you know. So that I, I don't know that I have a square answer for you, unfortunately. But because when I was growing up, I was from Atlanta and then my parents moved or my mom moved. Uh, my parents about to split. So my mom moved and I moved with her um, to South Georgia country, you know, school, you know, predominantly white country, South Georgia. And in my classes, um, like one of maybe maybe three black people, definitely only black male. But maybe there's a couple other black women, you know, what I'm saying those in those classes. Then high school came back to same house where my dad was living. My dad for high school, all black high school, you know, different experience like that. So. Um, so when I was with the white folks that I talked the same as when I was with the black school, definitely not, you know? Um, and I think, I think there is a simulation, especially, you know, give me a pass for being a kid. Cause kids want to, kids want to fit in, right? Kids want to, you know, feel acknowledgement and all that type of stuff. But, but in terms of balance, I, I, I personally think, and I'm probably not the best person to ask, but I think it's, uh, it's about surviving your environment. I think it's doing what you got to do to survive. And I think that's, that's at the core of being a human. That's who we really are, you know? So right. they may look different for different people. Right, right, right. I like that. Um, so we were talking about uh, cultural appropriation earlier and limits, you know? So what what are, so, you know, you, you mentioned the, you know, white, white people with dreads and it's like, like, I see you, I see you, I see what you're about. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I keep you, I keep you at a distance. What what are some other things that are just like zero? To, I, I guess zero tolerance, like you know, respectfully zero tolerance. Like you know, you see another group doing it, you know, it's rooted within the black experience and blackness. And you're just like, I'm I'm not fucking with this person at all. Mm. What are, what are some other things that you uh you you may see or hear? You're just like, I right, I'm I'm good on this person. You know, a big one for me is um. I guess accent or black scent. That one's huge for me. And I, I get, I get being from, you know, wherever you want to be from, I, you know, there's, I, I know, I know white people from the hood who, who are like hard motherfuckers, bro. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to fuck with type people. 
but I, I just think that <laughs> there's no area really that you, there's no geographical area that makes you talk like black people. You know what I'm saying? You only talk like black people by being raised by black people. So if I adopt a little white boy and he talk black, hey, give him a pass, you know what I'm saying? But otherwise, I, I think I think it's very performative. And I think it's I think it's trying a little bit too hard when you got some people, you know, who throw throw an accent to try and um I don't know I don't I, I can't even say what the motive is. I don't know what they're trying to do, but it just it rubs you real wrong because it's like, bro, you know you you know what I'm saying? You know you don't talk like that. Like, come on, right. dude. So, um and maybe maybe you say, Hey, I've been around black people, everybody around me talks like this. And and some of that's true. Like you if I spend time in Mexico, I spend you know a week in Mexico, I'll feel pretty darn fluent because you know if all you're hearing is a certain language, you're gonna pick up, you're gonna speak like what you're hearing. So I'm not I'm not trying to say to, in totality that you know you can't develop accents based on who you are around, but but you know what I mean. The social media influencers or whatnot who you know who who aren't really about that or really aren't from that type of town or that side of the railroad tracks, and you speak in a certain way, it's like, come on, knock it off. All right, right, right. Um, so earlier you brought up social policing and that's kind of, that's something that, you know, I wanted to, wanted to get into. And like I said, it's kind of stemmed from my, uh, my post about, I, I think, I think the original post was, uh, was about Kanye wearing the white lives matter shirt. Um, what, what are your general feelings when it comes to, um, not, not just even black p- p- policing. I mean, I, I, I want to, I want to assume that it's like similar to me, you know, you grew up in the hood um, and even, you know, you're from the hood, but you're not of it, right? Like you didn't allow right. it to define you. You, you, you know, you're going to college, you, you're in college, you, you, you look past the stereotypical limitations that have been placed on a black experience. I want to assume you got some nerd in you. I mean, granted, we, we you know, we, we, we all do. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, earlier you mentioned um, about going to school or like in, in, in a white neighborhood, predominant uh, white white town, white area, white, white school. What is your, like, I, going back to like the idea of, of balance and um, I guess expression, right? Like how do you, is, is there, is there a limit, right? Is there code for you? Like, do you think there's this, this code? Do you think people should get on code? Are certain gestures and comments and behaviors, are they, Poor, do they poorly represent the black the black experience when you see them? I think so. Um, I think so, man. So one of the pet peeves I have, and, and this you know it's going to sound real old school and all that, but but I think uh, the reason why I think it's so important is because unfortunately we uh, a lot of times with us being such a small minority in this country, we. Um, we have to represent all the time. And you, you'll see stuff like, you know, oh, so-and-so setting us back a couple hundred years by doing X, Y, Z. And it's like, especially folks with platforms, I think it's important because unfortunately you, you are representing, you know what I'm saying? Because it's unfortunately for some of these kids growing up, it's still a question or still in doubt what you can and cannot do or can and cannot achieve or be. And so I think it's very important for us to not only please each other, but please ourselves to make sure that we're being representative. And um, some people may not feel like that. Some people may feel like, hey, I'm an individual totality. I can do whatever I want. And, and you are free to do that. Um, my beef is when you when you are totally individual doing whatever you want and then saying just because you're black, it's a black experience. And I, I strongly disagree with that. So beef I have, you know, it's like 
like Walmart, Walmart dress, if you can, if you can frame your mind about Walmart attire, right? Like there's some things that, that you, that I feel like, you know, you shouldn't come out the house looking like, and I think (laughs) when it comes to culture and it comes to, um, you know, how we present ourselves, I'm not saying everybody has to be, you know, 1960s in a suit, you know what I'm saying? Suit and tie, Martin Luther King, everywhere you go. That is not what I'm saying. And I, and you're free to be, you know, you know, you're free that, um, that black is not a monolith. You, you are free to, to, to express yourself and however you want to do that. I'm just saying, um, it, as a culture, I, I think there is responsibility. And I think that the, the policing part only comes back to, to safety. So anytime I'm, I'm saying I'm for policing is that I'm for the safety and security of what it means to be black. And I think without securing it, without protecting it, I think it's open to being um, thrown around in any kind of way. And, and it, it's something that's near and dear to my heart. So I don't, you know, I don't want it just open to be, you know, persecuted, open to being, um, you know, mishandled. I, I remember, you know, I was born in the 90s. I remember um, early 2000s where, you know, it was assumed that black people were scary or black people were tough. And that was seen as a negative, but I really enjoyed it. I really miss where white people were scared of black people. I miss it. I miss it so bad because it's like, you know, I didn't, because unfortunately, you know, some people have fought so many battles on our behalf that I didn't need to, you know what I'm saying? I could walk around in certain spaces and it's like, you weren't finna try me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're just going to assume that, that I could just whoop your ass. You know what I'm saying? You weren't about to say the N word. You weren't about to do all those different types of things because you just assume that, Hey, Hey, he's black, man. He can fuck you up, you know? And it's like, right, right. that may or may not have even been true, but just, you know, the swagger that you had, the pep in your step you had, like, hey, man, you ain't fucking with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, um, yeah, that's, that's that's really my stance on it. Yeah, I, I genuinely, genuinely, going back to language and uh, music, I, I genuinely, genuinely feel that, you know, yeah, overall hip-hop has been detrimental to the black experience. The falseness, right? The false braggadocio, the 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 arrogance, the um, the sell of black male superiority, and these past maybe, I mean, maybe it's been the whole hip hop experience. Just seeing the reality, like seeing that, like that, that's not the reality, right? Anyone gets gunned down. Anyone, anyone catches that work. Anyone gets smoked these people, you know, these rappers can't really fight, you know, it, it's, it's all entertainment at the end of the day. And the, I think the internet has pulled the, uh, pulled the, the wool from the eyes of white people who used to be in fear. And that is see like, you know, black, black people really aren't that scary anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And, and man. To, to further that point, think about, think about history in this country. Who's, you know, who's been doing terrorism, you know what I'm saying? Who's been doing these uh, attacks and all types of brutality and whatnot? Like, it has never, ever been black people. If you, that's probably the least scary, you know, racial group in this country. Unfortunately, when you think about it in terms of people who, I think about George Zimmerman, you, I could probably look up his address online. You know what I'm saying? Living comfortably. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you, you could do something to us. What are, what are black people really going to do to you? Like, right. truly, like, do you really have it? You know what I'm saying? I think some people, I think, unfortunately, some people get it. Some people know that. And you got some stuff like in Stone Mountain, Georgia, you got the, the not fucking around coalition. Some people are bringing up arms and, and kind of being more Black Panther-esque in terms of protection. But, you know, 
in general, though, I think like, man, I don't know how we got away with that stereotype because it really didn't have anything to back it up. You know, maybe some purse snatching, you know what I'm saying, downtown, <laughs> but like you wasn't really, you know, not not moving the mass, not actually a, a force to be like wrecking with the scared of since the Black Panthers, in my opinion. Yeah, it's um, I like I guess, I guess it's, it, this is kind of part of the. Like, I guess the idea of, you know, code and choices and, you know, freedom of expression, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm against the idea of policing blackness. The Live, Lift, Love podcast is brought to you by the Black Excellence Shop. Shop our Black Excellence calendar and journal bundle, 366 days of creativity, motivation and spirituality, and shop our Black Excellence Daily app for Android and iOS, blackexcellencedaily.com. Are you are you a, a artist, a spine creative, anything at all? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider myself. No. I mean, I, I, you, you, I feel like the 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 end goal vision is for you. You know, I mean, you're you're creating towns, and you, 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 it's not like traditional art. But I think, I mean, yeah, I feel like what your goals are are rooted in some type of artistry and creativity. Like, I, like for me, there's there's a, there's a need for there's always been a need, right, for black self-expression. Um, I, I like I like the point that you that you brought up earlier when you said when it comes at the cost or when it comes at the uh, I think you said something along the lines of you, you like weaponizing blackness, right? Like being an asshole, wanting to do what you want, and using your blackness as a weapon to be to to freely do it. Like you know that that's that yeah that's toxic. That's limiting. But I think in certain aspects, I think besides that overall, I think that there, there's always been a need for just black self-expression. Um, you know, earlier I talked about like ner- nerd life, you know, growing up watching anime. I'm, I'm a, I guess I'm a 90s baby. And, you know, the, tr- the cliche for the black experience is, you know, entertainment, entertainment in terms of sports and music. And like those are the confined spaces where blackness is allowed to thrive. And I think like, I think we're in this weird buffer period or the black experience needs to exist in this weird buffer period where everyone just can do whatever, <laughs> like you do whatever you want, wear whatever you want, act out however you want, just to, just for the representation of it, just so people can see, like the next generation can see, yo, you know, there, there's more to the experience. And then there's, you know, there's that, that social I guess social check, like there needs to be a social check in terms of like when you violate and you and you go too far. I I don't think expression within itself is faulty. You know, I brought up the the, the Kanye um T shirt, White Lives Matter. I don't like overall. I I don't care. You know, like overall, I I don't care about what it signifies because it it doesn't impact my life directly. To me, it doesn't impact the lives of other black people, right? He, some, some, you know, the black people who have notable position positions in society, whether they're billionaires, entertainers, anyone who has a, a social media following, right? I, their individual choices now more than ever, I think, should solely represent them. And I, I feel like you know we've shipped, we've really shifted to the point of going back to the idea of policing. The the setback mindset is, you know, they're setting us back a hundred years and they're making us look bad. And you 
there's somehow this responsibility or this innate victimhood when your two experiences are wholly other, right? Kanye, Kanye West lived experience is wholly different than mine and nothing he does should impact how I view myself, how I view other black people. Um, and I, and I think where we've going back to the idea of policing, we're so in tuned and wanting to check people, wanting to make content, just wanting attention, right? It's just, you know, it's something to grab onto, something to talk about, but inserting ourselves within it, I feel like it, 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 it doesn't benefit the overall black experience um, because it, it, it re it reinserts for me, it reinserts the idea of making blackness mono, monolithic and wanting to, keep things in line, keep things in, in a certain tone where no one's scared, right? You know, like, you know, re respectfully what what's going on with him in the Jewish com community, right? Like, they're not really scared because at the end of the day, they know that he has no real power, <laughs> like in a grand exactly. things, exactly. right? There's, the, the, there's no real fear, but the, the, the your group's, you know, I believe your group's responsibility is to sell your victimhood. Right, sell your group's victimhood so that people don't get out of pocket and say certain things. So you know, sell your group's victimhood so no one even thinks about um, no one even thinks about doing wild shit as it's been done in the past. But I and maybe it's just the language that's being used. Maybe it's the social response. Um, it, it, it feels like it's limiting to the to the black experience as a whole. Um, can, can I ask you this? Um, yeah. Because I, I, the reason why I'm a proponent of the, of the policing and you could even say the herd mentality is not, it's not for every day. It's, it's, it's my preferred, my suggested method of defense against attacks on black culture, attacks on black society. And and I think there's, you know, that strength in numbers that comes from, you know, being a herd and acting like a herd. I don't think it's for every day. I think, you know, if if we're at that place now, and maybe maybe you'll say if we are or if we're not, if we're at the place where we're no longer, you know, under attack per se, then I don't say we need to be acting like, you know, a herd of gazelle or anything like that. You know, or if we're if we're we're at the point where black people are on the offensive and, you know, and we can be lone wolves and we can be individuals. But I think up until that point or up against certain certain factors and certain attacks, I think it's um, strictly the safest option to 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 have to have that policing and have that herd mentality. Now, what you know, what what are what are our um, attackers? I'm not sure. Maybe you can maybe you can define what you think. Um, I know the number one killer for us is heart disease. and. And that's not the only thing that plagues our, our culture and our society is death, right? Right. Whether it's whether it's health or homicide or suicide, that's not the only thing that affects us. I, I would think the wealth gap, maybe materialism, um, probably other things that, that plague us as a society, um, education. But um, but I, w I wanted to share a couple of definitions here um, and kind of get your perspective on it. So. So Merriam-Webster, they're defining culture as the customs of a particular people, habits, lifestyle, society. Um, a herd is defined as a, a large group that live together or are kept together 
with a shared characteristic. So maybe black being black is our shared characteristic. The characteristic is defined as a feature or quality belonging to a person, place, or thing, and serving to identify it. And sub question is is black a characteristic? I think um, I think yes, but I think outside of of our, of American society, I think no. I think I think it's not really identifying characteristic. We're the last two people on earth. You wouldn't really identify me in that context. It it, w- it wouldn't mean anything, right? Yeah, I, right. I think just in, under the con- constraints of of America and, and racial society. So I don't know that it's necessarily an intrinsic characteristic, but for this context, I think it is. Um, hurting, you know, is, is defined as to keep or look after, um, or to move a group in a particular direction. And the biggest thing about culture, um, to to me, um, is that culture is not an indigenous thing. Culture is not is not nature, and, and it is different. Culture is intentional. Um, right. uh, and uh, you know. To train something unnaturally, that's that's truly culture. And and, and furthermore, uh, a cult is is a social group defined by beliefs or its common interests in a particular goal. And I think um, in order to really push the culture forward, we kind of have to take a cult type mentality. Um, you know, are you willing to have culture contrary to our natural environment, whether that's, you know, changing, changing our uh, stereotypes on heart disease, changing our stereotypes on how we, the, the gender relationships among us, um, changing our stereotypes on education. I, I'm so envious of, you know, the Asian community about that, that their stereotype is that they're educated. And I think, you know, now, unfortunately, I think that's a lot of pressure on certain peoples. And I remember in college, you know, a lot of times off the architecture building, any, any kind of suicide, you could, you could assume it was an Asian American because they got to be on their test or something like something crazy like that. It wasn't, it wasn't rampant, but Anytime there was a suicide, most likely it was an Asian person. And we always assume that, man, it must have been because of the pressure that their families or their culture put on education levels. Um, right. So I'm not necessarily saying we need to be at that forefront, but just to be an Asian American and just to be assumed that, oh, you must be educated because your culture is, is just that cultish towards, you know, education. Like I, I do envy that, that, that you can have stereotypes as a good thing, right? All our stereotypes are relatively negative and that does bother me. Um, and and also con- consider this consider consider the hunter gatherers right that you know neolithic human beings you know their culture was um it was based on their environment right so they they had to chase their food right they didn't they didn't until the point they were able to subdue it capture it raise it in a confined area and start farming that was that was his own you know revolution of a sort whenever they were able to get the seeds out of the fruit plant it, water it, and stay in one place and not be nomadic anymore. You know, when they, when they started changing their, their customs and their habits, their society changed. And although I like, you know, black culture, I like black society, I think if we want certain changes, I think when we have to obviously change our culture, we have to change our, our habits, we have to change the way we're doing it. Uh, I think we have to be a little intentional and a little cultish about it. But, um, but on the first point about just protecting it, I think you have to have that herd mentality. I think, you know, the strength in numbers, there's um, there's what's called a dilution effect. You know, if you think about zebras crossing a, a lake with a bunch of crocodiles, we got a bunch of zebra, well, you're diluting the chances of actually being hurt. So everybody being in line, everybody doing the same thing, everybody marching on the same, you know, level of progress, I think, goes to help push our, push our um, agenda forward if we have one. Now, if we're at the point where 
we don't have an agenda, there's nothing that we're really trying to do or trying to get you know accomplished and everybody be there, everybody be themselves. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter at that point. But I think um, if we're really trying to do something as a culture and, and protect what we have, I think uh, that's, that's my vote. Her mentality it up. But how, how, how do you, who, who defines it? Right. I mean, I think that's part of the challenge. I think, you know, the, the, the black, because, because people, to your point, like, you know, you may say we go left, somebody else says we go right. You know, so that, that is that is a challenge of, of leadership is, you know, maybe everybody wants to be a leader. And and I don't know that we are, as a people, humble enough to to not have our way. And and I'll also say that as the black people or just people in general, as, as black people. And I, I think that um, my argument is that, like, people, it, it must not be that bad. Right. Because when you think about the Montgomery bus boycott, you know, the, the racial issues that they had at that time were so bad that people were willing to walk to work for over a year. It wasn't like a week boycott. Like they did it for over, over 365 days, walking to work, rain, sleet, uh, Alabama, summer, hot, humid, like they walked to work until, you know, affected change. So imagine some people who, you know, who had money for the bus who had to go a really long way. And it's like, man, I really want to take that bus, but we all learned to decide that this is better for us. So it wasn't an individual like, you know, I'm gonna ride the bus on Tuesdays or I'm gonna do my own thing or, you know, I'm black, I can define it for myself. It's it's really about the collective and what's best for everybody. And I don't know that we're, one, I don't know that we're humble enough to, to make those sacrifices for each other. Or two, I don't think our environment is that bad to where we have to, we have to band together and, and, and and have that herd mentality and be all for one, one for all. It, I argue that it must not be that bad because otherwise, I think out of necessity, we would have we would have made some action. So, yeah, I, I was I was going to ask, do you feel that uh, the black experience is is under attack? Um, because I, I I don't anymore. I mean, I do. I think the black experience is under attack from other black people at this point. Mm. Um, it's it's you know we're 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 global we're all global uh citizens at this point realistically right, right? like there's right. The, there's so much awareness of everything and everyone that it 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 feels impossible and i i think that's i think that's part of that that's kind of what adds on to my perspective in and and not policing it it it's not it's no longer the african american experience it's no longer just the american black experience it's the it's usually the word collective it's the collective uh herd mindset and groupthink and n- not even existing in it but the the label the ex- i feel like it's more of the external label that's being placed and that that's what adds on to, to that Maybe that's what initially added on to the limitations. Um, you know, th- those moments in history, right, during the civil rights era, you know, they're, they're, they're concentrated because there were, there were absolute, there were absolute, um, I guess maybe tragedies or absolute experiences that were going on that a shared collective group of people were going through. Um, you, you rarely hear about the black experience in the North or the West. It's like the, the South was the hub of, of, of blackness and the, the, 
the ongoing real or lived experience of blackness has just been trauma, right? Trauma and victimhood, not victimhood, trauma and um, I'll, I'll leave it at trauma. And at some point, it 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 shifted, right? You know, we there's um, are you familiar with with Dr. Joy DeGruy? She wrote uh, post traumatic slave syndrome. I'm not familiar with her. Cool. Uh, I I just I just thought I just read the started reading the book. Um, it's a it's a dope dope concept, and you know it, it connects to the idea that everything that we are live we are experiencing as black individuals is you know as a result of this post traumatic traumatic slave syndrome and Jim Crow era and all the the, the history of, of the black lived experience. For me, at, at some point, it, it kind of stopped, right? I, I think when uh, Martin Luther King Jr., Medgar Evers, and Malcolm X were assassinated, like that was the, we're not, we're not, we're not doing the herd thing anymore, right? Like, the, we, you know, we, we, the black experience, I mean, granted, some people believe that Martin Luther King Jr. was chosen by, you know, w- you know, white, uh, white people in power, but the symbol, the, the symbolism of those three men, right? These were the leaders. They were, they were, they were here to set the black experience forward. And at some point, they went out of line and they got checked. You know, Martin Luther King Jr., predominantly from the white experience, and Malcolm X from the black experience. You know, Nation of Islam. I, like, I, I look at that as the the turning point where, where like, there's there's no more groupthink. Right. Because there are no more individual leaders. There are no there are no uh, groups that come together to like really talk about black issues. I feel I feel like a lot of what gets talked about is the surface things, you know, things just to add on to putting money in people's pockets and the cliche things that have been kind of going on for for years. Right. It's just something to do just to give people hope. But it doesn't feel like there are there are there's any there are any real individuals moving forward to to say, hey, let's go left, right? Well, and, that, that and, begs the question, you know, like, are there? And I'll let you answer that. Like, are there real issues? Because I, I I'm really starting to agree with you that you know I, I do think it's a little that her mentality group thing. It is antiquated because I think it was out of necessity. It was out of like, hey, we have to do this, you know, as a people because we are all we have, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I do think that it's it's not arguable that things are exponentially better now today than they were, you know, forty years ago for us as a people. So, you know, is 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 the experience now just, you know, like excellence and wealth and 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 you know, uh, middle income American and all that kind of stuff? Like, is that? Is that the new thing is no longer based in struggle and it's a totally different, you know, I, I feel like it kind of is becoming a different culture than, you know, the culture I was necessarily growing up in. And my kids culture is going to be way different than like, you know, probably what we grew up with. So so are, are there are there collective issues still? Yeah, uh, that's that, that's the challenging question. Right. Uh, it's because it, it's, it's a vantage point. Right. Like I said, Kanye West's problems are my problems. Right. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think there's issues that are like and I'm sorry to keep interrupting, but there's no, 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 no,
right? Like there's still poverty issues, but it's not it's not redlining housing project type, you know what I'm saying, type of right, issue. Right, right. So that I think is is a little bit is different. And the same thing with jobs. I'm not saying that, you know, Daquan gets the same callbacks that um, Daniel gets or whatever. I'm not saying that, but I do think it's totally different where, you know, there were no black people in leadership and CEOs and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's way different. So if you think of culture being based on the majority of people, what is black culture right now? And I think all the things that we were talking about earlier and thinking of, I don't know that it is. And yeah, I, I don't know that that's still what the culture is or, or at least where it's going. I don't know if I, I can't say right now, based on this conversation, that it's truly under attack. I know people want a piece of it, but but is it under attack? I, I, you, brought, you brought up uh, some good points um, earlier, and I was thinking about like relative growth, right? Like things get better naturally. Like that's just I think that's just something that just innately happens when people like if, right. If, if we haven't killed each other, we haven't blown each other to smithereens, then like things have gotten a little bit better, right? So gradually the black experience has gotten better relative to what the overall human experience is, right? You know, people live longer because people have more access to certain medical uh, technology, right? Like those things kind of come naturally. I think the, what I think the, I don't think the black experience is under attack except outside of the, I can't think of the word like inter maybe the interconnected experience, um, but that's also just relative, also right. Like you know, you commit crimes next to the people who live near you, live live, live next to you. You know, like I follow New York City TikTok channels, and all they do is just report about you know the the violence going on in New York. I think the, the I think overall the black experience has reached its peak when president obama a uh, f- former president barack obama became president uh, that, that was kind of jumbled but, but when obama became president that was the height of what the black experience has always wanted to achieve in this country i feel that's very true it's it, it's acknowledging it's acknowledging that you know, a black man is articulate and influential enough, and he has enough support to reach that that position. And you know, it's, it's like that's the standard. That's the standard now. But there's still this the reality of what the human experience is, which is all of the the violence and negativity. And I think because you know we we grew up in certain conditions within the black experience, and we're still aware like i i mean even talking to you, i feel like this there's, there's still a, this this desire to find whatever whatever whichever ways you can improve the black experience for other people like relative to what you can contribute there's still this desire to improve the the experience so if it feels like it's it's still struggling right like you, you know we you know we're not free until you know all our people are free right it still feels like there's black people struggling it still feels like there are black people you know dying unnecessarily from you know you mentioned like heart conditions covid you know it happened and was just like a a a wake up call on black health but also everyone like had it i don't like i said, i don't think the the black experience is under attack anymore i th- i think there's just this awareness that things could be better and 
sometimes I, like, I look at it as arrogance, right? Like I know what's best or I know that more could be done or more people this and more people that. And it's it's really just like th- 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 there are things that are still wrong and like what, what how can I improve, improve them? I think that's like that's that's part of the social responsibility I feel. Um and I think things get better through the the uh through education, through dialogue, through experiences, through opportunity. You know, you mentioned, you know, there all these, you know, black CEOs and like wh- where's the other side of it, right? Like where where are the like I, I follow um this this Twitter account called Writers of Color and they whenever, you know, these journalist companies and uh websites want to hire when you know they want to do their their um their diverse diversity initiative they tweet at this uh at the twitter account but every time i i look at who's hiring it's a white person it's a white person's magazine it's a white editor you know it's it's still these white people in positions of power giving the jobs to black people and i think what's still missing is that whether it's the, the 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 black middle class, you know, which doesn't really exist anymore, or the black pe- everyday everyday black people in prominent positions who can support other black people, who can offer a job, who can be the be the be the face. Like you know, I I've, I do contract work, but I always look look at jobs. I, this is something I do. I stay in the the know. Because I want to, I want to know, understand how the the uh, the work culture is shifting. I go to nonprofits. I look at who's who's the CEO and who's this and who's that. And when I see a white person in charge, I say, "Am I?" Like I, I, I've I've told myself that I will never put myself in a position where I have to answer to a white man at this point in my life, um, and that limits a lot of opportunities. And I, I feel like that's kind of overall what, what the black experience still feels like. You know, we're talking about uh, diversity and authenticity and representation, but it's, it's still, it's like a subsect subsect of the, of blackness kind of existing in these spaces. You have to be within the club and maybe the challenge is challenge is just accepting that it's never going to be like (laughs) equal and fair. Right. It's like I don't I, I I don't know what utopia looks like, right? Right. I think I think that's part of the challenge, right? What what the, what does a utopian s black experience look like for you? Um, to to end your last point though, um, you know, basically, I think you're agreeing that through through progress, you know, we as a culture have assimilated away from a shared experience. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah. I, yeah. I think, it, I think it's natural. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, maybe it's mission complete, but, um, and, and to your point, yeah, to, to, to reconfirm what your assumption, yes, I do want to be as best as, as we can get it, you know, um, as far as our culture, but, um, like I said, what that looks like, it may not be the same for everybody. Maybe we've, maybe we've progressed past, you know, that, that overwhelming level of struggle. So job well done for, to our parents, you know, but, um, but, uh, yeah, the utopia for me, man. It's I think about it often, actually, and and it's it's really family because, you know, we, I mentioned like this culture and this this cult kind of mentality, and like it's not for everybody, and that's the I think the most heartbreaking part of it is like, you know, I may want for you, in my mind, better than what you may want for yourself. You know, you may right. want 
and I, I listen to rap music, I do all that stuff, but it's like that there is there has come a point in time where I'm like, hey, I know certain things aren't beneficial to me. And if I want to move from that, from certain from from brainwashing myself or constantly embedding myself with certain messages that that are truly like harmful to me and people who look like me, if I want to move away from that, like that's that's what utopia is to me. It's like it's it's us folk living our best life, you know, like having having abundant life, prosperity, all those all those things, you know. But but I think it's very much on a uh, on a on a family level. Like I want I want the land, I want the family farm, I want the you know the kids running around, I want the business, you know, um, and I want that for everybody. But 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 I, I don't think everybody's gonna get it, and I don't think everybody wants it in the same way that I want it. So I really can't. I really can only want it for me, my in my in my lifetime. I can't even right. promise that my kids are gonna want it. So it's that that's the I think the most heartbreaking part about it is um, everybody's free to make their own decisions. And everybody's free to kind of we're, we're not as long as we're not under you know a, a, a heavy level of struggle. You're free to create your own struggles. You know you're free to to live live whatever life you want to live. You know and it may not be for the betterment of all of us or may not, you know, all those type of things. Like I'm, I'm, I'm ever so envious of, um, you know, people of other cultures, say Latino culture, especially here in Houston, you know, their Latino grocery store and their Latino neighborhoods and their Latino street signs and like the whole, you know, hubs and districts and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, and, and that struggle for the, for the immigrant is way different than the struggle for the African-American who was born here. So them having to get, you know, have a business and all their cousins work there and, you know, them not having their own, being able to live out their own hopes and dreams about what they want to be. They're just on very, very much on task about the culture and advancing the culture. I'm envious of it, but at the same time, I can't be because I don't have those same struggles. So, you know, I don't, I, my, my cousins don't have to live with me in the same house and we all work in the same shop and we all, you know, I, I, that's not my reality. So although you see a collective and you say, man, they really must be working together and working hard, but a lot of it's out of necessity, you know, and those who, um, those who don't have that, that same burden, it's a different reality. So, yeah, I, I think that's part of the, like, you know, you, you brought up the, um, like, like Asian community earlier and, you know, being like the idea of that, you know, their stereotype is that they're, they're, um, like they're, they're intelligent, right? They science and math. Um, the grass always seems greener, right? Like, you know, that, that, that cliche idea. And, I guess like going back to the idea of does it get better, right? Like there's this innate pain. I think the word is pain, right? There's this innate pain seeing someone within the black experience downing out. But still, 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 right? Like, and I, I've, I've, you know, you look at the, you know, all of the the wealth, the black wealth that's that's been generated this past thirty years. And at some point, you just become again, like you now mentioned, you know, different lived experience. You become dis- disconnected from what the everyday person's life experience is like. And like to your point, at some point, like I, I can't care forever, right? I can't, I can't, I can't lead these people. I can't, you know, I can lead you to water. I can't make you drink, right? You know, hope did that, so hopefully you won't have to go through that. You can offer all the information, the knowledge, the resources, and people are going to do with it what they want and i think the the, the challenge is for, for me especially is like finding a balance between caring 
you know, investing in my own livelihood and focusing on my own livelihood, but still wanting to just give back periodically. Like, here's like a little bit of knowledge or here's a little bit of the experience, a little bit of what I've learned in hopes that someone sees it and, you know, their their life experience changes changes for the better. That's all, that's all there is. That's all we can do, unfortunately. And I, I think, like, that... that that's part, I think that's part of the, like the herd mentality, right? Like, you know, when you, when you watch, uh, you know, National Geographic and you watch these nature shows, right? When, when that one zebra get caught, like, you know, you brought up zebras earlier, you still feel a way, right? There's still like this connection between it. And it still feels like that within a black experience, right? Like when someone gets caught, when someone's down and out, like you still feel a way. Um, and that's part of the, for me, like the, it's all love and the ever present connectivity. And, I, you know, may, maybe being, maybe being able to let go of that and maybe being able to let go of that is like, is that's freedom, right? Like not being, not associating uh, a black experience with, with personifying the black, the, the history of the black, the, his, the historical traumatic experience within blackness maybe that's the goal right like just being able to you know be be move beyond race and the his the historical limitations that race has played with within our life experience i i would i would agree with that point did you do you have a um this five minutes to talk about your 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 friend priscilla i do Um, okay so, so while I was in school, while I was at, uh, I went to Texas A&M University and, um, uh, she was one of my close friends, um, friend group. We all party together, study together, all that kind of stuff. So close, close friend. Um, we graduated in 2017 and from undergrad and, um, she was from Houston, lived in Houston. And, uh, actually a couple of days before she passed, we actually, you know, hung out, worked out. We're, we're close friends. She was tight with my wife and everything. Um, but unfortunately she did pass away. And, uh, and she basically, um, was in an Uber and police were chasing somebody, which they're not supposed to do anymore, but police were chasing somebody there. Somebody was evading arrest and ended up striking into the vehicle that she was in and killing her and, and her cousin, um, hopefully instantly. And, uh, so because of that, you know, our friend group, we just kind of decided, you know, basically look, you know, like, for example, I, I've, I've, since then I've gotten married, you know, I've bought in a house, I have jobs and all that. And that's, you know. She had a job, but the, there's a lot of legacy type of things that she's she was not able to experience. Right. She never got married. She never had kids. You know, her life ended at, at 25. So that's um, it was really heartbreaking. You know, not only the, the way that it happened and the foolishness behind it, but just just sad, you know, to, to live your life and, and only make it to 25. So we decided that the, the best thing we could do, only you know, can't do much for anybody in that situation. But um, the least we could do was um, try and trying to keep her legacy going on. And, and one way to do that is through our university, through an endowed scholarship. So we're, we're trying to raise money. Basically, if we can raise $25,000 within um, the next four years, um, the university will invest that money. Then the 4% interest that they get from investing it will equate to $1,000 a year for a scholarship for somebody. So the way we structured it was first being somebody, you know, who ends up going to Texas A&M from her high school. And if, and if no one, and somebody who, you know, was in her zip code and if no one is somebody from, you know, her overall school district or from or from Houston in general. So there will be somebody who could receive it. But we're just trying our best to 
um, establish the scholarship so that way, and, it, and it's established in perpetuity. If we raise the money, it's for as long as the university is a thing, that scholarship, that name, the scholarship, her legacy will live on through that. And somebody from from her hood, somebody from you know from Houston can can um, hopefully that'll help them go to school and be able to afford school. Um, so yeah, that's that's um, that, and I'll, I'll give you the link if you want to plug that anywhere. I really appreciate it. Um, we can try to make sure that that happens for her and her family and and for our friend group as well. Yeah, that's 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 it's beautiful work. It's um, you know, like you know, we, this whole dialogue has been about you know finding a way to, I guess, keep on tradition, right? Keep on culture, right? And I think you know, a, a scholarship in honor of your friend Priscilla is a way to kind of honor her legacy, honor her her culture, and kind of set the next generation up for success and and defining the, the, their culture and you know, creating a bit of utopia from their, their, their lived experience. Um, the, the link is tx.ag Priscilla de, de Leon, L-E-O-N. And the link will be in the, the description of this podcast. Uh, Justin, I, I appreciate, appreciate your time, man. It was a uh, great, great chopping it up. I know we kind of went over a bit. Um, yeah, I'll see you on, uh, see you on the timeline. Hey, man, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me, dude. Um, Cliff, man, take it easy, man. Um, Best of luck to you. Appreciate it, man. Peace.